Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, White Sox fans. It's Brett Valentini, lucky enough to host Southside Sox Mothership Podcast, number 92, believe it or not. Hey, there's been some stuff happening. Last time we talked, everybody was just happy after being really angry. Everybody got really happy because baseball is back. I don't know. This podcast might be, it could be a little grumpier because, you know, baseball's back, but not sure a whole lot is happening. We're pretty much going to devote this podcast as we're getting nearer to actual spring training games. We're going to devote this one to sort of what has happened, I guess, between lockout and how the White Sox roster has been affected, <laughs> the big impacts <laughs> that impact that have impacted the White Sox roster. We got a few names to get to sitting around the table today for this podcast. So I'm going to do a little round table once again, so we can associate voices with names. So here is your super quick lead off question without getting too much into the weeds, because we'll be discussing all the acquisitions or lack thereof in this podcast. So give me a quick grade. If the off season ends right now, White Sox go to battle with the team they have. What is the Rick Hahn grade for this off season. And I am going to take in the top left corner two block leading off here. It's sudden Sam Reeves, Sam, welcome. And give me that grade. Well, hey, Brett. Uh, so that grade is going to be about what my grade set at my high school senior year, about D plus area there. And yet somehow, yes. Sam, you clawed forward to make the South side Sox podcast, despite the D plus. It's pretty sweet. Next up, next up, we are going to go down. Well, you know, I don't really know where he is on the, uh, on the, on the grid. So I'm going to just kick it over to, uh, 
to Tommy Barbie. Mr. Tommy, please, a grade for Rick Hahn at this moment, if everything freezes. Yeah, I'm I'm about where Sam's at. I would say a D plus. I I I hope this isn't it, but I think it might be. All right, it's consistent so far. Uh, we are going to now kick it out to the the disembodied voice of Trooper Galactus. Trooper, please, you can you can be critical. You can have some bite. You're you're invited to go worse than D plus. But the recon grade, if everything freezes right now, and we go into the season with this White Sox roster. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to be generous and give him a deep. I'm not even going to be generous enough to give him the plus. Uh, I, I think we're talking D, D minus. And the only reason he doesn't give an F is because I'd say you can at least give him credit for a, what I think is a decent contract with uh, Kendall Graveman. But what we've seen so far is the same thing we've been seeing for years from this team. Uh, a lot of half measures and short-term deals and an unwillingness to take on risk. There's still time left in the offseason, obviously, but to date, their signings are uh, a bunch of relievers and two redundant utility players. And that's kind of baffling when their primary needs going into the offseason were right field, second base, and backup catcher and starting pitching. Trooper, the good news is you just tripped yourself into the pocket schedule title there. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know if I can repeat it, but a bunch of relievers – and a couple of utility infielders. I think that is sexy enough to get people into the park. Okay, Zach Hayes, I got to say, if I have to, if I'm thinking about the Southside Sox staff and I'm thinking about Rick Hahn fanboy, really the first face that pops into my mind is Zach Hayes. I'm expecting a big, a tasty grade from Zach Hayes. Zach, what is it at this point in the offseason? And I don't have too much against against Rick, but uh, yeah, I'm in the same territory as uh, as everyone else. D D minus. There's nothing wrong with Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly and Josh Harrison, like in a vacuum, but it's all coming within a certain context, which is that a lot of other teams are getting better and they are not. So if the off season ends now, yeah, D D minus. Got to do more. Okay, White Sox, don't yell. We know you're listening. Hi, Rick. Hi, Jerry. Don't get angry. We know the offseason isn't over yet. Well, we'll find out if it really is over as of this podcast. It could be. <laughs> Rick has really diminished expectations. So I guess we will see. But we're not we're not trying to like be especially mean to you here. But you know, it's just a way to sort of get everybody in the mix. All right. We're going to the whole table here at this point. Uh let's just run down <laughs> who the White Sox have added <laughs> since the lockout. Uh, ended uh, Joe Kelly concerns me because he's delicate. I mean, not just because he's got this nerve issue that will necessitate him now. We know now uh, to not make the opening day roster. He will not be active for the first series. We don't know when he will be active. He has still coming off recovering from surgery. But even when you look at a guy who is, let's say, at full strength, he is uh, to be effective. He gets handled with kid gloves something that tony la Russa has not proven capable of doing uh eg greg kimball so uh feelings about joe kelly not not an overpay definitely not an underpay uh this might be the best move of them uh how are we feeling about having joe kelly on the south side i like the move oh go ahead trooper yeah, I'm all for it personally, but when you look at it in the context of other moves that have been made for healthy relievers, 
for guys with a uh, track record of durability, you do have to question if this was maybe an overpay. Uh, and on a team that has already committed so much money to its bullpen and has a history of kind of drawing a line, it's kind of curious when you see now, granted, Joe Kelly has an excellent postseason record. He's got a lot of experience, but he's also literally coming off a season that he ended with a nerve damage issue in his throwing arm that is persisting to this day. And they still signed him for what, what eight, eight and a half million dollars for the season. And then you look at the newswire and you see that Colin McHugh just signed like, I, I think like for two, he's going to get in two years. What? Yeah. He, he's getting in two years. What McHugh's get or uh, what uh, Kelly's getting in like one year. So I, I kind of question the wisdom of, I don't mind the pickup, but I do. If this is one of those deals where like with Craig Kimbrell, where you're throwing all this money at this guy and it's like, okay, that's fine. But if this is preventing you from doing the things that you really needed to get done, then that's a problem. Yeah, I, I agree with Trooper. I, I think it's a good move. Um, I don't think it's necessarily an overpay. I mean, I do find it funny that the White Sox have by far and away the most expensive bullpen in the history of baseball, but that's a whole different topic of conversation. Um, we'll get to but it. <laughs> I, I think that it's a move that makes sense. And I, I get what the White Sox are doing because they don't know how healthy any of these guys are going to be. The Sox ran into issues with health with their pitching staff before. You have two, maybe three starters that you don't know what you're going to get out of in terms of innings pitch. So you just stack the bullpen as best you can. That's all fine. But at some point, it, it is blatantly obvious that you're just throwing crap against the wall and hope that it sticks. And you, you can't just keep throwing guys out of the bullpen and basically challenge Tony LaRusa to screw himself up in terms of in-game management. Like, I, I just, I think at some point you reach overkill and the Sox are, are right on that edge, in my opinion, of, of getting to that point. I'm sorry, Trooper. Tommy has superseded uh, for the pocket schedule, I believe, throwing crap against the wall and hoping it sticks. I think that is now my pocket schedule headliner for the 2022 season. Let's see if we can come up with an even better one. Uh, Zach, uh, Sam, feelings about Joe Kelly? They're throwing crap against the wall and there's no wall. Mm, Fair enough. It's a weird allocation of resources. Uh, Kelly, Graveman, the whole bullpen thing. It's weird to me because relief pitching is one of the few areas that the team has been kind of consistently good at developing internally over the last few years, in spite of, you know, what a bust the Zach Birdie pick was. They're usually, they they find guys. Uh, so, yeah, given what the rest of the roster situation is, it doesn't, it just spending that amount of money doesn't, doesn't make sense. Uh, and I'm not, I mean, they, they had a really good bullpen last year too. And it didn't mean anything when October rolled around bullpens are volatile. Uh, it's not a, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's kind of like having a great special teams unit in some ways. It's, it is very, very useful and you want to have one, but, uh, you know, everyone wants to recreate that kind of 2015 Royals run where you can go five innings and shut them down the rest of the way. And teams have been trying to do that for six or seven years, but. You know, it doesn't see any, I said this in our Slack earlier, Atlanta just won the World Series riding like Will Smith and Tyler Matzik and Chris Martin for 25 games, 21 games, whatever it was like, we don't need to do this. This doesn't need to be done. 
I don't know, Zach. Devin Hester is going to be in the Hall of Fame, so maybe you need to allocate resources for your special teams unit. Uh, Sam Reeves. Uh, how'd, that, how'd that Super Bowl opening kick return go for him? <laughs> Hasten point. Yeah. Uh, okay, Sam, let's transition to uh, – I'm going to uh, throw the question at you, but I'm going to say, hey, how did you feel when the double pack back-to-back of uh, Joe Kelly and Josh Harrison – uh, hit the airwaves. Uh, were you excited? Were you buying tickets? Uh, did you think it was, in, in both cases, a smart move for the money? I I think it's fine for the money, and I'm pretty sure the White Sox are the only team that go, I only can spend this amount ever. No other team budgets that low for themselves, unless you know, you're know you the Rays or somebody who doesn't care to pay anybody anything. But um, the Josh Harrison thing, I think, is is great for – you know, whatever he got, you know, it's, it's a depth piece. He can play short. He can play second. He can play right field. If, whatever case, you know, if we have another spring training debacle of an injury, um, the Joe Kelly thing, I like Joe Kelly. I think he's going to fit in great with the clubhouse. He's going to be a great guy, you know, to be there with that attitude that the team has, but with the nerve issue, you don't know how long he's going to be out. He said he was throwing fire today and he feels great. But of course, players are always going to say they feel great when they really don't. So, you know, I can't trust him. Um, he hasn't gotten the okay for from the trainers or anything to go with the season yet, as they said. So it really depends on when he is ready, and that's really going to show you how bad of a move this was. It really depends on his timeline. Okay, before I'm going to jump in, before we discuss the merits of signing um, two Leary Garcias to play second base instead of one actual second baseman, uh, I'm going to derail – my topics here just by saying it seems like Tony La Russa says, Hey, I want that. He gets this red ass for a guy. I'm guessing Craig Kimbrell was probably a guy he really wanted. There are other guys he's really wanted. Liam Hendricks, I guess that worked out. Still awful lot of money, but he really can't argue with how this worked out. Is it a little frightening? I mean, we know that <laughs> we know Tony runs the team, but is it a little frightening that when Tony just says, Damn, I want this guy, I had him in St. Louis, I want this guy, that that's sort of like how the transactions at this point are driven by the White Sox. That Tony La Russa pretty much controls every aspect of this team. Yeah, that's why it's hard to have uh, have faith in many of their other moves or that there's some kind of grand plan. I mean, what you say with these moves is that, yeah, it's fine. Josh Harrison is fine if you sign a right fielder. Kendall Grayman and Joe Kelly or Vince Velasquez are fine if you go out and get another starting pitcher to replace Carlos Rodon. Uh, but when you have it's the, the connection there is obvious. Kelly came up with the Cardinals when Tony was managing the Cardinals, they get along. It's, you know, when it's that arbitrary, it's kind of hard to give them the benefit of the doubt and be like, okay, well, these are okay. And we'll wait for the guy. I mean, there's a lot of quality free agents still out there. Uh, so I'm not quite panicking yet, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of years of precedent here that do not does not make one hopeful uh that the big splash is coming that's going to make all of these moves make sense zach can uh, albert pujols play right field i hope we're not in that timeline <laughs> maybe about 20 years ago i could <laughs> hey, if uh, you're putting your mean out there i i i wouldn't oh question <laughs> oh getting his left field reps he's getting ready uh, I like that there has to be a make good for your mean. <laughs> okay, you sort of like dump the team, even though we sort of dumped on you first. It's like, hey, you know, even though you really have no place on this team at all, place Let's run you in the outfield. 
Uh, okay, uh, Harrison reaction, Larusa in control reaction from uh, any of the rest. I mean, maybe it's devil's advocate, but is it the worst thing that Tony LaRusse is pulling all the strings given, like, your means a perfect example. We, we've seen what happens when Tony can't control players or the locker room the way that he wants to. So, I mean, if, if you're Rick Hahn, is it just kind of like, all right, here you go, old man. I, I have to deal with your nonsense anyway. Let's make the best of it. And just kind of hope that it works out. Yeah, it, except if if Tony has this kind of sway and he says, I want player A and player B and Rick Hahn says, okay, and goes on and get them. Then why the hell isn't Tony saying, I want Michael Conforto or I want Nick Castellanos or I want Carlos Freire or something like that, that would actually make like a demonstrable improvement that instead of this, you know, this same old, well, here, I want this player who's exactly like the, the guys that you've been signing for the past four, five years that have not been getting you over the top. Yeah, and I hope that next time he demands a guy that Rick just, I'm just asking for one step, and that is, okay, how are we going to, okay, great, I'll go get him. I'll go get Craig Kimball. How are you planning on using him, Tony? Speaks to Zach's heart here. I, if they can just do that, like, one step, it's really just one step, just tap the brakes just to say, are you planning on starting him? Are you going to run him out five days in a row? Are you going to talk to him at all? Are you just going to give him a reputation of being a bad guy in the clubhouse? Well, we heard that one today. That was a new one. Um, I'd like at least that to happen. If they could just do that, then I might feel more confidence. Uh, and maybe the, the, that some of you have that Tony running the show might not be so bad. Oh my God, the Chicago White Sox are reduced to this, but we've known it for a couple few years now. Uh, let's just pay some <laughs> token attention to our sixth starter, fifth starter, five and a half starter, uh, Vince Velasquez, who, uh, what, I, what, what, why should I have something to say about him? Anybody have something to say about Velasquez? Um, he's not going to give us a Carlos Redon season for the <laughs> same money. <laughs> it's, it's Felipe Paulino all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, White Sox. No, really. Hey. Like, is there another team in this league that was going to guarantee Vince Velasquez <laughs> a 26-man roster spot, or at least any team that's actually serious about competing, that would give Vincent Velasquez a 26-man roster spot? And you know what? When I see people talk, when I see the trade rumors on Twitter or whatever <laughs> saying, hey, the White Sox are looking at Sean Manaya and they're looking at trading for Frankie Montas, I, the first thing I'm wondering is, if they're actually serious about doing that, why the hell would they have ever signed Vince Velasquez? The weirdest thing was, was with the Velasquez, it was first initially reported as a minor league deal. And then when the White Sox confirmed it, it says to a major league contract. And then that, everybody was like, what? <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? It would have made sense in a minor league deal because then you can have him down there. You get him ready, you know, if he needs to come up to guarantee him a 26 man spot is, yeah, that's, that's not great. <laughs> yeah. If it's been like an Irvin Santana kind of signing then it would have made sense because Santana didn't get guaranteed money and a guaranteed spot and he didn't pan out, but it didn't hurt anything that he didn't pan out per se. But this is like, wait, this, this is plan a, that's a problem that again, we're, we're, we're running into I, what's the train of logic here. Because if this is, was your plan a, that's a really, really bad plan a. 
the optimistic side says that like 10 years ago in a more optimistic world, we would have been like, Hey, Coop will fix him. You know, this is the perfect reclamation project. This is what he does. Uh, uh, maybe, I mean, this could be one of those scenarios where they really do identify something like, you know, one of the coaches, cats or somebody in the system identifies something that they really feel strongly about. Uh, but for all the reasons we just talked about, it's kind of hard to have faith that there was some really specific valid reason. They just had to give him $3 million in a major league roster spot. So uh I mean, the stuff is there. Maybe it'll be, he'll surprise us. I don't know, but it's the kind of lottery ticket that consists. It's, it's putting faith or putting a lot of, uh, um, emphasis on, on those lottery tickets is what caused a talented White Sox team from about 2006 on almost year in and year out to always fall short. Uh, they would never quite fill out the roster and, uh, make sure you weren't just giving those fringe roster spots to a guy who had guys who had a 10% chance of being stars and a 90% chance of, of washing out. That's not how you build complete successful teams. So ugh, hope they do something to make all of that boot. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who had the quote. I don't remember if it was Tony or Rick, but one of them said, Ethan can't, can't wait to get his hands on Velasquez. And I was like, okay, I mean, well, what let's, can you do? They have nowhere to go but up. Right. I mean, well, right. <laughs> and let's speak to that, Sam. I mean, let's not to print the t-shirts up yet. Obviously, the Carlos Rodon is <laughs> that's you know, that's the lead in your audition tape if you're Ethan Katz. Ronaldo Lopez? No. Nick Turley? No. Dylan Cease? I, okay, it's not Rodon. Um, maybe at least a passing grade there. If not, you know, promising. I mean, this is by no means not the not that Coop was that guy either per se, but it's not as if cats, you know, hit it out of the park with everybody uh, either. So this idea that's like, we can't wait to get his hands on him. Well, he's got no choice. He's going to have an awful lot of time with him. He's on the goddamn roster. So uh, yeah, let's, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> it's starter. But it's even the Koopal fix him mantra, like eventually that magic ran out too. Like you can't just bring in any scrub <laughs> off the street. Like, All right. Quickly. As soon as, as soon as our pitching coach gets his hands on him. Oh boy. Well, look out. I mean, this is a guy that outside of being a high draft pick has shown nothing to be even remotely fringe starter worthy. Like, I mean, you got an older version of Ronaldo Lopez when you already have Ronaldo Lopez on your roster. This is the time where you normally get established starters, not just guys that you hope will work out. And if they don't, well, here's our $50 million bullpen that's going to save the day. Do we know if Alaska's had LASIK? (laughs) Maybe that's the ticket. (laughs) Tommy, please dig deep into the Manny Banuelos uh, splits. Uh, okay, step back. Coop was still fixing them. He was still fixing them. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, SB Nation's got to make a little bit of cash off of our backs. We're going to take a quick break. Let them do that. Listen to the commercial. Maybe buy their thing. I don't know what it is. I don't listen to them. But if you do, consider buying. We'll be back in about a minute. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. 
Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans at Minutes Up. Oh, my goodness. Thanks for coming back. (laughs) We've got a second half for you. Uh, Promises to be as lively, if not more so. Then the first half, where we sort of went through the uh, rope signings, three so far. Yes, three. None of them terribly overwhelming. I think I'm the most skeptical. I don't know. Me and Trooper, we might be neck and neck for skepticism on the pickups so far. Okay. The, the uh, what is he? He's a, he's a crow. He's a hawk. Whatever. The elephant in the room. We had a lively discussion today within the staff about Craig Kimbrell. We were told by our insider that he is definitely gone by opening day. And I'm just wondering what the price tag is going to be for that. Because I'm guessing when 29 other teams know you're absolutely over a barrel, I don't think anybody's coming to your rescue. Even with injuries that could pop up. Hey, a closer, a legit closer could go down. It's like, hey, who am I going to call? Craig Kimbrell, a guy who's had, oh, I don't know, a good half season of the past couple of years. Uh, apparently, Craig Kimbrell's on his way out in spite of the White Sox sort of uh, soft-shoeing that. Um, I don't think that's happening. And I think if they have to eat a lot of money, should it happen? Um, Craig Kimbrell seems to be the linchpin to any other move made. So I guess if Craig stays, no other moves are going to be made. Uh, what's everybody's read on the Craig Kimbrell log jam situation? God. Dumbest move of the offseason. Oh, this team. <laughs> yeah. Is there any team? Okay, first, is there any team in the league that would give Craig Kimbrell a one-year, sixteen million dollar contract based upon how he finished last season? Much less are they going to give Kimbrell sixteen million dollars and the White Sox a prospect or a player of some note or anything else of value a steak dinner for Craig Kimbrell? Yeah, Trooper, just to take a dump. I mean, forget what you even get. I mean, people are saying for prospects. Yeah, what prospect? Give me a, you know, somebody's son, whatever. Yeah, just a straight dump. I don't think you can pull it off for nothing. And and who who is going to be making these trades? Like, I, I wrote that article where I posited what I thought were at least remotely possible trades. And nothing, we were getting Flotsam and Jetsam back. Like, the only thing we were right. getting was a certain amount of salary relief, depending on who we were taking back and no really exciting players. And I think that's kind of where they've backed themselves into. Because just, I don't know why the plan was, if they wanted to bring back Craig Kimball to pitch for this team in 2022, they could have done it for less than $16 million, right? Like, they, like they, it, when they declined uh, Cesar Hernandez's option, I thought, well, I mean, I guess they could still bring him back for less sure. money, and they they figured maybe that. And then they proceeded. He proceeded to sign, I think, with the Nationals for like four million dollars. Right. So it's so like, okay, well, fine. Why wasn't it the same for Craig Kimbrell, where you just decline the option, and if you really want him back, you sign him for less? And and then what did they go ahead and do? They went and sped 
$5.5 million on a guy who had a very, very strikingly similar season to Cesar Hernandez last season in that he was really, really good up until the moment he got traded, and then he was god-awful. And technically, and, technically $7 million because of the... Uh, yes, the exactly. Yes, yeah. And I just, I just don't understand the logic behind that. Um, and I don't, I don't understand. It, it just seems to me like Rick Hahn has vastly overestimated the market for Craig Kimbrell and the demand that there would be for relief pitching. I mean, it's like he's signing all of these relievers just so that some poor GM has no choice but to trade for Craig Kimbrell. Now. There's nobody left. He's cornered the market. <laughs> well, if you look at it, nobody's even going after Kenley Jansen right now. So there's no. not even a market for a closer right now. If the White Sox are even remotely lucky, they'll eat half of that remaining salary and get a player to be named later. That's like their best, best possible scenario right now. Yeah, and, and at that and point, can, you keep them. Right. Can you think of a single example in history where a team picked up a con- a, a contract option and then had to salary salary dump it or eat part of it? <laughs> that quick, exactly, like... <laughs> Weeks later, <laughs> thank God for the lockout. This would have been more embarrassing. Is there a precedent? I can't think of one. Yeah, um, Zach, I'm going to pose this directly to you because you uh, made a compelling case in an article that I've cited probably more times than you are even in your most proud moment uh, want me to. But uh, the great piece last year that broke down what was going on with Kimbrel, um, presuming that there's a likelihood, in spite of what the White Sox say the Kimbrel's on this opening day roster and there is a reason to actually want to use him. Do you have confidence? I, I believe we've already answered that um, in the article that there would be confidence. He can pitch well for the White Sox, but will he be used differently and correctly by the White Sox if he is on the team in 2022? Yeah. Given what their approach to the bullpen seems to have been this off season, there's a part of me that really thinks they wouldn't have picked up the option to begin with if they weren't, and you know, convince themselves that they're very, very comfortable with him pitching for the Sox next year. Uh, I, who knows what his usage is going to be. It's good to, it's good to have a backup closer. I'm, I don't necessarily put as much stock into the, Oh, he can't close. It's a mental thing. Uh, as some might, it might very well be a real thing, but I don't think it's a reason to panic because there were just a lot of other reasons why he didn't pitch well last year. I mean, in, it's because he was his fastball was 95 miles an hour instead of 98 miles an hour. I don't think it really matters when he was pitching. If, uh, you know, if that's the case. So if he gets a full offseason arrest, he might very well come back dealing again and will feel great. It's still not great because of the money situation and having let Rodon walk for a pretty comparable amount of money. Uh, so... <sighs> Yeah, he might be okay, but that maybe they're more comfortable with him being on the roster than than we realize, uh, because there's not much reason I don't think for him to still be here if uh, if they weren't. What's the amount? Uh, quick question, quick one minute question for everyone. What's the amount you're comfortable with the White Sox eating just to get rid of him? Presuming, and this is a big presumption, that the White Sox will spin that into acquiring more players. I think Sam's already said half he'll he'll eat eight million just to get rid of them and perhaps use that other eight million somewhere else uh tommy trooper zach what are you thinking i don't i'm not going that far i i think looking at the precedent here i would be surprised if any money was eaten i mean 
it was a big deal when they oh, cut loose that. on Adam Eaton for however many, what was that? Like five, six million at most? What was like, I don't know how much was left on his deal, but it was a big deal for a reason. Uh, they're not going to, I don't see a world in which Jerry agrees to pay Craig Kimbrell $8 million to not pitch for them. So if there's a reason he hasn't been traded, maybe that's it. They're really insisting on, on somebody taking the whole money and the whole yeah. contract. He has not earned the John Danks treatment. Uh, Tommy Trooper, how much are you going to eat just to get rid of him? I, I, if, if we're talking like a million or two, you know, where, cause he was, he was due a $1 million buyout anyhow. So if you pay the buyout money, you were, that was lost money regardless. And if another million, okay. But if you're going beyond that, then like, you might as well keep him because, you know, if you got to, if you got to spend 6 million bucks to get rid of Craig Kimball, Craig Kimball was probably worth keeping it one year, $10 million. So what's the, yeah. what's the real bet? of doing that even if you're using the money to get somebody else like at that point just get somebody else you can do it um and you know to to zach's point about you know we we have to trust in their uh assessment of kimbrell's ability at this point these are the same guys that just signed a reliever with nerve damage in his arm (laughs) fair point okay tom you are a billionaire and so this money really doesn't matter that much to you uh, how much are you going to eat just to get this clubhouse cancer, wink, wink, where that's coming from, off your team? I And that's why I don't see the Sox trading Kimbrel. Like, it doesn't make any sense. To me, the thing you do is you say, all right, even if you don't want him, you make it work. And you look for opportunities through the season for other teams that might need bullpen help or might have sudden salary issues to say, oh, you need help? All right, well, we have a guy that we're trying to get rid of. Or at worst case scenario, July is always the time where people overspend for closers. The White Sox should be very familiar with this. They (laughs) overspent for Kimbrell. So why not just hold on to him and maximize that value? Because if he has a consistent role on this team, which he should, I don't see why he wouldn't perform well, even if you have to limit his innings. They've figured out ways to make other pitchers look good despite their best efforts in the past. Like, I I think they can do that this year. Tommy, with a karmic cycle strategy, I like it. Who knows? It could work. We're we're due a break or two, I suppose. Okay, we don't have much time. So, again, another speed round. Sorry to keep hitting you with the speed rounds. It's become a game show here at the Southside Sox podcast. Okay, with everything we know, we speculate on a lot of stuff, but just based on what the situation is with the White Sox, give me a percentage. What's the likelihood a legitimate, however you want to define it, a legitimate right fielder is going to be brought in to play for the White Sox before opening day? Sam, we're going to start with you again. 13%. <laughs> Seems sort of D plusy. Okay. All right. Tommy. Are we counting Mike or Adolfo? That's a separate category because okay, then I know then the answer is a hundred percent. Okay, so Mike, uh, yeah, would be 100%. I don't see it happening. Okay, all right, <laughs> fair enough. Zero. Uh, trooper percentage. I, I'd go non-zero, but I don't even think I'd go as high as thirteen uh, percent. There, just because I think being able to get a better right fielder is going to be predicated on trading Kimbrel, and I don't think trading Kimbrel is going to happen without eating so much money that they're not going to be able to afford that right fielder. So. Okay. Zach Hayes has a Conforto dream. I think something tells me it's going to be more than 13%. Zach Hayes? 
What are you thinking? I'd actually, I'd give it that there's maybe like a 60% of them bringing someone in. I think, I suspect it's much more likely to be someone pretty unexciting like Jock Peterson, you know, for the sixth off season in a row uh, or Jorge Soler. Uh, I, you know, we'll, we can, we'll dream on Conforto and Castellanos and Chris Bryant and uh, probably end up settling where we can say at least they got someone, but it's probably not going to be particularly thrilling is uh, how these things typically go in my memory. A reminder to our rabid fan base, Adam Eaton is still available. And before you laugh and before you yell and before you cuss, well, it happened last year. Tell me it can't possibly happen. It's way more likely than many of these other names that we've thrown around. And I hate myself. I need to take a shower now. Uh, Hey, you know what? Good news. We have games coming up. And believe it or not, our most popular, by listener, our most popular podcast is due to make a comeback. Tomorrow, we're going to have our first White Sox pregame podcast. Go figure. Yeah, it's for spring training. Yeah, it's for split squad with the Cubs. Yeah, nobody's going to play. Whatever. At least Jose Abreu's in camp. Whatever. But hey, that's something to look forward to. And who knows? Maybe a few of these guys talking to me now are going to be joining me uh, in another day when we record this. But until then, thank you as always for listening. Thank you, guests, esteemed panel. Thank you for these answers. I don't have a lot more hope than I did going in, but your job isn't to provide me hope. It's to provide me cold, hard facts. And sometimes a little bit of a dabble of karmic cycle. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Without you, we're not here. Thanks, SB Nation, for giving us a platform. (laughs) Uh, All right. Anyway, adios. Until tomorrow. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening.